I spent a good five minutes debating whether this episode was better than the last episode or if I ranked it just below the last episode. Because I honestly, like, they're both really good. I I eventually put this one above Deus Ex Machina only because it was so much more emotional. But I I still debate about it. I think that I could change it. Just because, like, Locke's story is so good in Deus Ex Machina. So... It's it's really like they just sort of switch back and forth. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast, brother. Welcome to the podcast, brother. I am Pierce Nahigian. I am the elder brother. I am Derek Hobson. I am the younger brother. And welcome to Losing Lost. Today, we are discussing season one, episode 20 of Lost, entitled Do No Harm. It originally aired on April 6th, 2005. It was written by Janet Tamaro and directed by Stephen Williams. Fun fact, according to Lostpedia, this is the only episode that Janet Tamaro wrote for the show. Stephen Williams has directed several episodes and will direct several more in the future, but this is her only one, uh, which I thought she did a great job. It was a very well-written episode. Did she do anything else? Like, was she ever director or producer or anything on the... So according to Lostpedia, it's the only thing that she did on Lost... Um, but she has worked as a producer and writer on other projects. She's written like 105 episodes of something called Rizzoli and Isles. Well, this does dovetail nicely into the first question, which is, Pierce, how mm-hmm. did you feel about this episode? It was great. Great episode. It was uh, it was emotional. It was pulse pounding. I, Jack's episodes have really just knocked it out of the park. What's great about this flashback is that the stakes are super low. It doesn't. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, thought, I, I heard that as the the main plot. The stakes are super low. <laughs> like, it's food. No one gives a shit. Um, <laughs> no, it's. I, I just I loved this flashback, and I think I love it more looking back on. I think when I first saw this, this might have just been like, huh. That's an interesting flashback to have on such a high-stakes episode, to flip it around. But this flashback is foundational to so much of Jack's character going forward. We knew that he was like this, but, like, literally every single flashback, there is something that happens that tells you Jack should not be doing this, and Jack knows he should (laughs) not be doing this, and he's got to do this. But before I run too far ahead of that uh derek what did you think of the episode yeah uh very similarly i i thought it was great and gosh you made me just think of of something in terms of the low stake oh yeah oh so i remember the first time i saw this episode i distinctly remember rolling my eyes and kind of being like oh another jack flashback (laughs) you know again it's a combination of knowing where the series goes, knowing Jack better as a character and where this fits and just what we have seen thus far. This episode is so good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for so many reasons, like we even talked about how arguably the last eight episodes, Jack has been almost a different character in the sense that he seems stable, seems happy in his caves. And, (laughs) <laughs> this is a return to the Jack that we saw before he got closure 
with his Boy, dad. Boy, howdy, is it? It's it is. This is uh, edge of your seat, biting your nails, crazy eyes, Jack, just coming out and doing everything he can to oppose the Grim Reaper. What I love about this episode is how the dialogue leaves a lot open to interpretation in a way that's impactful. And to highlight this, I'm going to jump forward just a minute to highlight that specific scene between Jack and his dad. MVP, John Terry in the house. (laughs) (laughs) But that scene, and when we get to it, I want to keep my comments reserved now. But when we get to it, that is such a layered. I, I, I rewatched that scene between Jack and his dad three or four times. Just that segment flashback. I'm like, is he being a good dad or is he being a dick? And you don't know. And unlike in future episodes where characters will be vague or talk about a metaphorical box or, you know, whatever where it's like, this is just, this is contrived. This is something where, given the context of what we know of Jack and his dad, you can read something two different ways, and it's played masterfully between the both of them, and I adore it. So, and as you said too, I think the flashbacks, initially I'm like, this is a weird flashback to be having right now. And yeah, given the intensity of the island stuff, it is like a nice little palate cleanser in between these high tension moments. I mean, there's so much to break down here. So first of all, to get to what you're saying, that scene between Jack and his dad, so, so good. And this is the first time, correct me if I'm wrong, we have a scene between them where they're getting along. Because in White Rabbit, he doesn't have any (laughs) scenes with his dad. He's just dealing, or he does that one flashback, that fundamental flashback of him being a kid with his dad. And then obviously he's butting heads with his dad in all the best Cowboys of Daddy issues. This is an earlier era for the two of them when you actually get to see John Terry be a father. And I know we don't want to talk too much about it, but his delivery of Sarah is a beautiful girl and Jack's drunken, yes, she is. Yeah, that's what we can say. We can talk (laughs) about that. Yep. Yeah, but, and don't get me wrong, I do think, my interpretation of it is definitely that he's being a good dad, but. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, so, okay, so you, you give your butt. It's clouded. I think that you could, especially the his last two lines in that scene, you could definitely read as him telling Jack to walk away from this wedding. Yes, okay, so that, I agree with you. I think. Tristan Shepard does everything up to the point of saying, Jack, I know your intentions were good, but do not marry this woman. This is not what you actually want. I think he is being a good dad in that he is being polite, but he is very clear that he knows this isn't right. And he's trying to tell his son that in every way, but just flat out telling him that. Because he also doesn't want to be a dick. I mean, it's the night before the wedding. He doesn't want to be the guy to say, Jack, come on. What are you, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> this episode is also important because you get this flashback that is relatively low stakes. But, oh, my God, all of the tension of those flashbacks of you knowing Jack shouldn't be doing this 
and knowing that Jack is, uh, as his father says, just really good at commitment to the detriment of everything else, is it? it's all going to build to that moment. I think it's in the hatch when he meets Desmond again, and and he it tells him, like, did you save that girl? And Jack just explodes out. He's like, I married her! And it's... <laughs> It's, that's the only thing I can think about in every single one of these flashbacks is him just losing his shit and admitting like, yeah, yeah, I fucked up. I couldn't admit it to myself. And I, and that's led me to here. Uh, yeah, that's, um, this is something too that I remember on a first watch. I did think that he backs out of the wedding. I assume that's where this was going. So when he says, I love you and I always will, I was like, oh, so he's not married anymore, (laughs) which is, of course, like a nice switcheroo. Uh, It's a very lost writer thing. And again, in this episode, it is so good. So good. It is. That's actually one of my first notes that I have in the margin, which is Jack is slash was married. And that's something that we are 20 episodes into the show never came up. Like we didn't, we had no idea. And of course, like, why would that have ever come up? We don't know if Sarah died. We don't know if they're estranged. We don't know if they're divorced. But it's so great that you can be this far into the show and still get this new thing that doesn't feel contrived because it's like there's no reason why that would have come up before. We know that Kate was married and that came up with her drinking game with Sawyer, but no one's played a drinking game with Jack. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, Jack is here to be the de facto leader of the survivors and be the doctor. And we know so much about Jack and his personality, but this is new and it still feels fresh. It still feels good. And it's great. I, the note that I wrote is that like, you know, for a long time viewers, like his whole marriage with Sarah is a very fundamental part of his personality or what we know about his character. But for a first time viewer, for a newbie to this show, that this is such a bombshell to get that thing of like, cause they try to fake you out in the silliest way in that first flashback where it's like, oh, it's his friend's wedding. But it's like, nope, nope, now it's time for the groove. We're just like, ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, those, I, I I go back and forth on, it's, this is, it's such a lost thing yeah. of surprise. <laughs> uh, and sometimes they do it well, which I think they did well in this episode. But yeah, I just, I think it is the John Locke episode where you get the flashback with his mom when she's 16 and pregnant and says, no, mommy, I love him. And it's like, why are we seeing this? This isn't, Locke doesn't know this is what happened. Like, you're just trying to be like, it's in the 50s. What could be happening? But anyway. Fantastic episode. And um, I just want to start us off with a note. The title, Do No Harm, comes from the Hippocratic Oath, which is an oath that Doctors have taken since time immemorial. According to uh, Britannica.com, in the oath, the physician pledges to prescribe only beneficial treatments according to his abilities and judgment to refrain from causing harm or hurt and to live an exemplary personal and professional life. So it is, uh, and the phrase do no harm comes from the Latin translation of the original Greek, primum non nocere or no carry. Um, which means first do no harm. And that is very much the the mission statement of the uh, the episode here of not only pers- of not only professionally but personally, Jack is trying to live an exemplary life. He's trying to do the things that he's supposed to do, that he's committed to do, 
even when people, multiple people give him outs. Like so many, like not only does his father very gently tell him, maybe don't do this. His wife, Sarah, who's great. I really like that actress. Keeps kind of like nudging him and just being like, you already saved my life. You already fixed my spine. You don't need to do this for me as well. If you're not feeling it, let's call it off. I always, I mean, that's the impression that I got. I mean, I got it. I got it. It it was a little bit of her being like, I want you to write your vows. But I also got the sense that she's very much being like, Jack, I know you. And I know how you get. And I want to believe that you love me and this is going to work. But I also think you might be doing this just to be a good guy. (laughs) I did not. Well, we'll get to it. She plays the the mom on Modern Family. Yeah, she does. She yeah, um, it's so funny. It's like, I'm like she's in. I've seen her in something recently. Uh, yeah. And uh, she's awful, and I know that's the character. <laughs> and I think it would leave a better impression if I hadn't seen her guest star in other shows, where they try and put her in a lighthearted, funny role. <laughs> and it's like, you can't do this. Um, she that very, said, she, <laughs> she does concerned very well. Yes. Yes, she does. She does that very, very well. She is not a comedic actress. I I know. Who am I to say that? No one. I just mean that <laughs> were I in her shoes or as a confidant or friend, I would just say this kind of role sort of a dramatic show she does do very well and i think that if i were an agent i would say do this more because people aren't going to like you because you're not funny oh my god um, no I'm, I'm sorry i'm i've been, I've been <laughs> way too harsh on it i just mean like, her role on modern family is to be the unlikable character there was actually there's a great line in modern family when she and her husband, Phil, they kind of swap roles for the day where she's like, I'm going to be the fun mom and you're going to be the get it done dad. And mm-hmm. he's like, I, I don't want to do this. And the, But then they switch. And of course, he goes way overboard where his two daughters wind up not getting dinner and they're forced to clean the whole house with like toothbrushes because they tried to pull a fast one on him. And he's like, you poke the bear. And of course, meanwhile, she's trying to take her son and his friend out go-karting and getting ICs. And of course, they are sick. They're like, I don't feel good. And she's like, oh, buck up. We're having fun. At the very end of this episode, when they realize what a mistake they've made in reversing roles, Phil's like, I I don't like being you. And she's like, nobody does. And uh, (laughs) I felt like there was a lot of meta narrative there of, yeah, no one wants to be that character. I don't know if this is true or not, but I remember reading a rumor that the kid who played Joffrey in Game of Thrones was like, fuck, I'm out. Like he did people retire from acting after that. And I don't I don't know. But a part of me would imagine that if you play an iconic character on a hit TV show whose main objective is to be hated, I am certain there are people on Twitter and in the streets who are like, fuck you. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. So I guess to backtrack on what I said, maybe the actress trying to go into more comedic roles is trying to get out of this 
strict mom that she embodied for 11 plus years. She's just not good at it. She's just not, she's not funny. And that's it. That's all there is to it. She's just not funny. Well, in this, she's very good. She's very good in this. Should we, shall we get into the recap? Or is there anything else we want to? All right. No, because I'm trying to reserve all of my comments for this recap. (laughs) Because immediately when this opens, I have so much to say. Okay. All right. (laughs) So. We begin in the caves where Locke left Boone with Jack, and Jack is desperately trying to save Boone. He calls for scissors and diapers. I originally thought the diapers were for Boone, but I think they're really, they're using them as, as absorbent um, to, to soak up the blood. I meant to turn on the subtitles because I heard diapers, mm-hmm. and I'm like, he didn't say that, did he? But yeah, okay, that makes a, but yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I also, as a father, I was a little pissed at Jack. I was like, Jack, you're going through all the only diapers we have in this island, and this baby is being born, like, right now. Big dick move. (laughs) But I get it. He's trying to save a life or whatever. He tells Hurley not to faint, which is a nice callback. Boone's lung collapses, which I can't help feeling that that is a callback to the pilot when he wanted Jack to stab Rose's throat. And both Kate and Son freeze up in the course of Jack uh, yelling at everybody. And my note here is, thank God for Jack. As we have spoken about, I think several times, Jack has some very troubling personality traits. But God damn it, when you need someone to pull through, Jack will pull through. Jack can do this. Jack is a fucking doctor. He's going to fucking doctor the shit out of Boone, even <laughs> past the point of, of logic. It's, it's great to see him just like ordering people around and like, I'm going to save you. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I I love this, too, because he does it at first in the way that we've become accustomed, where even the he says to son, second drawer in the cabinet, and she's frozen. And then but he's like, you speak English, second drawer, like, (laughs) shout. Um, And it does the same thing to Kate later when he's like, I need you to go to Sawyer, you're going to get all the alcohol. And of course, again, everyone in a crisis is kind of like, I don't know what to do here. Yeah. And then Jack just looks at her and just goes, what are you still doing here? Like, <laughs> it is it is so awesome. Because even like, as we've talked about in previous episodes, Jack is enchanted by Hurley. And this is the one time where he's like, don't, don't, don't faint her. Like, it's not, yeah. he is not nice. And not in a bad way. Like, this is absolutely in a crisis. Yes, this is who yeah. you want here. He is in doctor and, mode. He is in leader mode. He's in captain mode. Yes. And I, I love the shaky cam that they brought to the scene because it does play like every medical drama I've ever seen where they're reeling someone in through the emergency room and they're like, he needs an ambo. He needs a blood pad. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, how long has he been out? Blah, blah. You know, it's like the camera's zipping back and forth. They do this, but canonically in the caves. Uh, and it's great. Yeah. It's a great way to start an episode. I remember um, with the episode after, Claire and Charlie get taken and that one starts with Locke and Jack like running through the, the jungle and I said like this is how you start an episode of Lost this is also how you start an episode of Lost just everybody in a frenzy and showing like you said in a crisis Boone looks bad like everybody knows this is bad they haven't had to deal with something like this since the crash and Jack has been a kind of very reluctant leader for the last I mean ever since he had to bury the uh, the marshal and this is the first time he's really had to do serious, serious surgery. I mean, he saved uh, Sawyer during that, at the end of the torture episode. And Charlie. That's true. You know what? I take that back. Um, No, no, but that was very private. And again, like, 
only two people were there. It's yeah, people have not been in a crisis. Uh, and again, even though the pregnant lady was kidnapped, she's back. Like, <laughs> I appeared to be fine. So, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's great cinematography. It's it's fabulous, and it's also like you know him calling for like he's like where's Locke, and there's like he's he's just he's not there. And the scene he has later with Charlie, where he just loses it, and he's like, "Yeah, Locke fucking ran away." Uh, I, uh, I he's so that. the whole episode, he's just holding this simmering anger at Locke that finally boils over at the very end. He's like, "I'm gonna go get that guy." Yeah, this does seem like the episode that this is the divide. This is where yes. we're gonna have two camps. <laughs> yes, you're right. I was for the longest time I was wondering because we had that nice scene between them in White Rabbit where Locke saves him from the cliff and they have the meat and potatoes chat. And even though Locke was lying to him, uh, he also had, you know, a nice moment with Jack in uh, Hearts and Minds where Locke has him tied up under hallucinogens, but him and Jack could have a pleasant conversation at the beach. And yeah, this is, this is the spot. This is a, this, so it must draw a line right here. No further. Cause again, even when like they, Charlie was kidnapped, obviously we saw Jack getting irritated with, Lock, but he was kind of irritated at everybody. Uh, <laughs> and even then, they were still able to have this pragmatic relationship where Locke still kept Jack informed and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, th this is definitely the moment in the series where you now have your opposing chess players. And yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I love how this episode ends. But before <laughs> we jump to that, I also want to call out that I love that. In the back of my mind, I have been giving Jack shit for how much of a dick he is to Sawyer <laughs> and his stash. And this scene makes it clear that, no, Jack's not just being a dick. This is why he doesn't like that Sawyer is hoarding all of this stuff mm -hmm. is for this exact situation. Uh, I have a question that I was going to ask in a later scene, but I'm going to ask you right now. Do you think that was actually all of Sawyer's booze? Yes, actually. <laughs> I I do not. I absolutely no? do not. I think it was most of Sawyer's booze, but I think he's definitely got some more. <laughs> I, you, I, well, then we, when we get to it, we'll talk about that in more detail. But I, I was very impressed with Sawyer and his uh, he compliance. Was, yeah, he was, well, well, you're right, we'll get there. Our first flashback, uh, Jack is tying his best man's bow tie. And if the best man looks familiar, he is played by actor Zach Ward, who played the character Scott Farkas in the 1983 film A Christmas Story. I've never seen it. No? Is that the kid on the cover, though? No, he's not the kid on the cover. Uh, that kid actually is a minor character in the MCU now. Scott Farkas is the bully, and uh, like the whole time it was bothering me because like I'm I'm looking at his face and I'm like, I know I haven't seen this guy in like anything. Like, why does his face look so familiar? And it's because he's he plays that kid, that fucking kid. <laughs> um, it's been on my to do list. I just I've never gotten around to it. Well, this does bring me to my first question of the episode. However, what is Jack and this guy's relationship? They're best friends. They're best buddies. <laughs> is that because I I was actually really excited to hear his speech because I assumed it was going to be we went to med school together. <laughs> and the more I think about it, the more I think this is Sarah's brother. See, I think no, because the way that 
Jack says she'll bust you is like he's giving this guy something. Like he's joking, but he's also giving this guy some new information. He's just like, oh, she'll know. She'll know. And if and if he was her brother, he would know. I. It's a good question. I got the impression that this is somebody who Jack has known, and I don't know if we're ever going to see him again. I'm sure we won't. <laughs> I just, I, the idea of Jack having friends, I, <laughs> I, I'm so suspect of, because they, they are, they're very playful getting the, the bow tie on, and it doesn't appear as though they're unfamiliar, but I'm like, this guy definitely isn't a doctor. Yeah. And this guy definitely doesn't know the relationship Jack has with his dad, which leads me to believe that it is intended to be Sarah's brother. And uh, I think I think that's my headcanon for right now. My headcanon is he's a guy that Jack plays basketball with. Like, he's a guy who, like, they'll meet, like, on a court for, like, a couple hours on a weekend. And uh, they're, 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 like, you know, they go out and have beers together occasionally. But uh, they're not, like, super close. And Jack needed a best man for this marriage. And uh, that was that was the only guy. <laughs> I I could see that happening too. I <laughs> like he works in the cafeteria at the nurse's office. It's like, <laughs> oh, there's someone out there playing hoops. I'll shoot some hoops. And then at the end of the flashback, it's a little bit of a twist because Jack is the one getting married, not his not his buddy. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun flashback, and it's also like again, as we've already covered, like it's it's I think for a first time watcher, it's weird because you're like, wait, we've got this high octane medical drama going on and the flashback is about him getting married does something terrible happen to his wife like what what's where's this going and it's it never gets crazy like it's just it's just about who jack is as a person love it love it yeah it is it is such a nice joke. and again i think that is why when i first saw this i was like what, why am i seeing this right like mm-hmm. and again i was also like this is the third jack flashback you gave me or is it the fourth, actually? Um, third. We had White Rabbit, All the Best Cowboys, White and Rabbit. this one. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Okay. the pilot is so Jack-centric that it feels like the fourth Jack episode, in my opinion. Uh, we get back to the caves. Jack tells Boone Jack tells Boone three things. He tells him he's not going to die. He tells him he's going to fix this. And he tells him, I am going to save you. And as I texted you, this was the moment where I went from, yeah, Jack, you go, to, oh, Jack, no. no you, <laughs> you can't keep any of these promises. Oh, uh, Jack. <laughs> on the beach, Michael tells Claire that the raft may be ready in a week and then asks her if she's okay. I, I, I completely, in my notes, I was just like glossing over this and I totally forgot that yeah, so he's just adorable in this scene. <laughs> yes, he also there is way too much sand on his hands for him to be eating that fish comfortably. I was like, he does look very comfortable and he's eating his fish, but it's just like his hands are covered in sand. Like a savage. <laughs> yeah, Michael can clearly tell something is up with Claire, and Claire knows that something is up with herself, and she's just like, No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Kate arrives to ask for all of Sawyer's alcohol. Sawyer, he's like, what happened? And she's like, uh, you know, Locke said that he fell off a cliff while they were hunting boar. And Sawyer gives the line that you mentioned many episodes uh, previous, that uh, hunting boar they never seem to catch. Like you said, he's very compliant. He does not put up a fight or a fuss. He goes like, you need all the alcohol? Go for it. This is why I really do think he gave her all of it. Because not only does he 
help her. But these are some of those low key moments in loss that really help build that relationship or in this case Sawyer and Kate's relationship because he in the past, yeah, would give a witty one-liner or a nickname or what's wrong, Freckles? Can't find your doctor boyfriend, you know. <laughs> but he immediately sees that she is actually distressed. And now, do you think though, do you think he would have given somebody else the alcohol if they had come to him in the same way? Or do you think because it's Kate, he immediately gives it up? Uh, that's a great question. And Yes, definitely because it's Kate. I think that if it were anywhere else, he would be suspicious. But I think that this is also one of those nice connections between Jack and Sawyer, where I think it's obvious that Jack sent Kate knowing that Kate would get it. Mm -hmm. And I also think that Sawyer knows that Jack would only send Kate if this was important. Which is like, (laughs) it's, it's a neat... A little because yeah jack is so protective of kate that he tries and keep them apart as much as possible so it's also just like clearly there's something wrong but um yeah it's just it's a great sawyer moment of just immediately sees that she's in distress and compliant of like yeah do you want and even ask like do you want me to go with you like it's he's boyfriend material in this moment (laughs) and we as audience members know that jack sends kate because she's good at running away (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I didn't i didn't piece that together but i also don't yeah he also likes to kick her out of any high crisis situations <laughs> but uh, uh kate doesn't get to play in jack's in jack's sandbox <laughs> back in the caves hurley and the others are putting up tarps around jack's surgery uh jack says boone needs blood and son makes jack go get some air and charlie is We've covered in previous episodes that Charlie has complete faith in Locke uh, because Locke helped him kick his heroin habit. And so Charlie seems genuinely surprised that Locke uh, ran away. And we get a glimpse of Crazy Eyes Jack when he's 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 so frustrated by this. Like he it's very clear Jack's not just mad that Locke ran away. But if Locke had told him the truth about his injuries it wouldn't have gotten to the to the point that it did. Yeah. And for me, I think that's a little Jack looking for someone to blame. Yeah. I don't doubt for a minute, given the swaths, swaths Swath. of medical, <laughs> of, forget that word, um, <laughs> given the amount of medical shows I've watched and especially House, <laughs> um, I know that getting the whole story of someone's ailment is critical to treating it but ultimately i think what this episode tries to say is boone was beyond saving not just if we want to go with the it was a sacrifice the island demanded jack had known that boone had been crushed by a plane i don't think jack would have been able to do anything so different and i get it when you're grieving you're upset uh, you feel like you were set up for failure. I get it. Locke is definitely in part to blame for all this, but I do also think this is Jack's un- inability to let go manifest. Well, Dr. Shepard, I agree with your diagnosis that he had compartment syndrome, but at the end of the day, he fell off a cliff, and you're just going to need to be okay with that. I'm going to take my bike in. 
What, what is oh this is your doctor that's my doctor i legitimately thought you were playing a very specific character from key and peel <laughs> <laughs> and i can't quite place what it is but jordan peel in more than one sketch does that <laughs> yeah your patient okay. seems to be suffering from an acute case of falling off a cliff itis that is that is a good uh, Gregory House impression. Uh, the whole Jack needing to get some air. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the moment that uh, Sun tells Jack to step out and he goes to the equivalent of a doctor clean room. Mm-hmm. I, I know there's like that compartmentalized section where you typically get washed up to your elbows and then someone basically dresses you. And he goes to the caves and just great acting from Matthew Fox gives that detail while Charlie is hounding him mm-hmm. where he is washing his hands in the, in the caves and he shakes them dry because obviously this is how you do it. This is how he does it. And I love that he loses it at Charlie because this harkens back to the Jack that we talked about in the early episodes of wanting to get away from people wanting that privacy, it is a good suggestion of Sun to say, go get some air. He goes out and immediately is assaulted by Charlie, who acts as the surrogate uh, family member saying like, hey, what about Shannon? Shouldn't we do that? And again, Charlie means well. But yeah, Jack is like, get the fuck away. <laughs> I am working. Like, yeah. he is, uh, and I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, and also, and and Boone even mentions this at the very end of the episode. It's very clear that Jack is of uh, Jack is frustrated with many things, uh, having all of these people in his business, not having the tools that he needs. But one of the things that he's clearly playing is he's on an island in the middle of nowhere in a jungle. Like Jack is a good doctor; he knows how to save his patient, and he is dealing with terrible conditions. Like he's mad because he knows what to do, and he can't do it. And it's it's great. I mean, Matthew Fox yes. is doing wonderful work here. This is definitely the moment that I was waiting for, because as we've talked about for the last 20 episodes, I very much like, why would you want to get off the island? My family crashed that. Why? You know, and this is definitely the episode where it's like, right. <laughs> this would not be a good time. This would be a bad time. And there are no hospitals. Uh, there are no police. There are no grocery stores. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure if they did something different with the caves in this episode or we're just seeing them from a different angle or maybe they're lighting them differently. Because, as I say every episode, caves still look fake, but they look better in this episode. I'm not quite sure what it is. Maybe we're just seeing a different part of it or something. Or maybe there is like a production reason for the. Uh, tarps like maybe it helped reflect the light in a better way or something <laughs> i don't know maybe, maybe. i do love that though by the way of like him getting his his tent back because again when he held, dealt with the marshal very much had that privacy in the tent and i love that he's getting it set up and with good read like again similar to what saeed did back in the beginning where it's like give everyone something to do grab electronics grab these things i love that it's like yeah most of these people not gonna help with the actual uh surgery or patient but it does give them something to do just yeah ah i i love how this comes together um in our next flashback jack's fiance sarah 
tells the wedding party that Jack fixed her spine. We get more of her story in, a, in I believe, next season. But it's a very touching story. And it tells you, I mean, it just tells you so much. It's um, her being tearful and, you know, really just owing Jack her life. But it also, we know by the first flashback that all is not, like, Jack isn't behaving like somebody who's so in love and can't wait to get married. And in this flashback, we see Jack saved this woman's life. He feels personally responsible for her. Is that why he's getting married? I mean, the answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the whole flashback, like every flashback, Jack looks so uncomfortable. And he's hiding it well. He does multiple layers so well. Like, he's smiling and... You know, I think it's possible that, like, a first-time viewer would see this and, like, oh, he's nervous about, you know, he still hasn't figured out his vows. But it's like, that's not what this is about. He is, she says that he is the most committed man she has ever known. And that is that is true for everybody who meets Jack. And we know immediately from Jack's face at the end of her toast that this is the wrong decision. She's so heartbreaking. Um, it is. It is. <sighs> she, she seems very nice. Seems like they're at a beautiful wedding, uh, which uh, seems to be held in Hawaii, as as most <laughs> most other shots are. <laughs> uh, back in the caves, Jack has to reset Boone's leg. Son gives him something to bite down on, and Kate, running through the jungle, falls and breaks a bunch of bottles. I say this every episode: you don't go running through jungles like that. It's you can hurt yourself, you can trip, you can break your neck. According to Lospedia. You can hear her say fuck under her breath. Uh, I did not. I watched this episode twice and I, I don't I don't recall hearing it. I'd have to watch it. I, I almost feel like I heard that in the same way that I, I heard diapers, but was like, I didn't hear that. Um, <laughs> which also then good on Evangeline Lilly for uh, like being so in character that she's like, yeah, that I would absolutely be in that boat. Because it's not like they're all broken, but yeah, but it, it was yeah. definitely a, uh, it's like, God damn it. The one job, but uh, I it's a good fall too. It looks, it looks like legit. It looks, you're just yeah. Like, I, I actually, it's funny that like of all of like the surgery that's happening prior to that point, this is the moment where I actually like yelled at the TV. I was like, whoa. Well, and you know, because we've seen some pretty bad fake falls, like when Sawyer gets hit by the boar and <laughs> somersaults into a mud pit. It just, just the physics of it don't make sense. But yeah, no, this nope. this fall looks very real. I also appreciate the continuity that the bottles are made of glass because I remember you telling me that like these are usually made out of plastic and they yeah. could have retroactively said oh these are plastic but they they kept them glass. Uh, which I like. <laughs> but I I also really like when Lost does this in a way that is not contrived, which this episode does very well as we've already said. In that flashback, Sarah does say that because Jack fixed her spine she will dance at her wedding or mm -hmm. she will be able to walk. And so then when it does cut to the island and he's like, we need to set the leg. I like when they do that little mm. bit of like a, a connective thread between scenes. The other one that comes to mind is in Hearts and Minds when Locke says to Boone, like opening this hatch is what we're here for. And then it cuts to Boone knocking at the door. You know, it's like, oh, he has to get in. Like, those kind of like subtle, like visual slash dialogue connective pieces. I, I'm a big fan of when they're done well. Not so much in later seasons when I, this doesn't happen. But 
I can imagine scenarios where Ben's like, it's like a record player. It's skipping. And then it cuts to a flashback of a record player. And it's like, no, 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 that's not, that's not <laughs> clever. That's stupid. Kate finds Claire going into labor and Kate's face is just great where she's like, oh shit. Uh, <laughs> Claire really doesn't want to have the baby right now. Uh, Jin working on the raft. Here's Kate calling for help. And it's nice seeing Jin get to do some action and actually interact helpfully with the socks. Yeah. No, I, I, um, you know, at the moment, hot take, but I have sat with it over the course of this conversation. And I think Jin and Sun, low key MVPs of this episode, they, they find where they fit, uh, with Sun tending to the dead, Jin tending to the living. And you get, a side of both of them that previously was not there. You know, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. They spend so much of the early show being on the outside, and they are key players in both the A-plot and the B-plot going on. That Sun has been... She is a very good helper to Jack. Like, after her initial, you know, panic at seeing Boone, she really steps up and does what what needs to be done she serves as a very good nurse to him yeah i mean similarly with uh what, what do you call that not a sherpa uh a um a doula yeah and that moment when they when they see each other um for the first time and it's very i love that it's it's acknowledged that like this is weird we haven't talked since that that big argument we had but the circumstances are more important and they both recognize that because they're yes human beings all right well we could talk about that now because yeah that's the thing that really made me appreciate this is that it's not resolved this is not hey after this is all said and done they're gonna hug it out and be married couple again it's like no they just recognize that we are in the midst of two crises and this is more important and yeah it's not something you get on a lot of shows this this episode is going at breakneck speed anyway, which, as I know we've already talked about, is why those flashbacks are a nice uh, moment away. And I do appreciate, too, that pretty much everyone gets involved, which I think speaks to the greater conflict at work here, which is that literally every single person helps in this crisis except Locke. You yeah. get Michael eventually helping out there. You get Sawyer providing the alcohol. like. Literally, everyone is doing something except Locke. And again, it's just like, I am 100% on board with Jack's absolute, like, fuck this guy. <laughs> like, this is beyond uh, Sawyer, who is someone I can reason with and in some cases manipulate. It's like, this is the guy. This is the antagonist. This is, this is a villain. And... I, I just, they paint that picture so well, and I, I, I love it. Yeah, oh, that's a great point. Actually, I guess to be fair, Shannon and Saeed don't contribute. But they're not there. Yeah, it's not their fault. Yeah. Which actually um, we'll get to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the caves, Jack is mad at Bamboo, and Boone mumbles that he is a negative. While everyone's looking for Shannon, she's on a lovely date with Saeed. And it's, it's funny because, like, they're going through the jungle and he's pretending like he's lost. And then when they first emerge, it's like, oh, you took her to the beach, which is where she spends 
all of her time anyway. But then, the, like, the next shot is, like, he actually has, like, a picnic blanket out and he put torches out. It's like, oh, okay, okay. But, like, the, the way that the shot is framed the first time, it's like, uh? and it's like, we're at the beach all the time. This is not, <laughs> it's just slightly farther down. <laughs> It is also, again, it, maybe it is because this episode is going at such a breakneck speed that not only do they have the flashbacks to offset it, but then, yes, the Saeed and Shannon aimlessly wandering, with Saeed in rare form being kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I I adore it. I It is very, it's very cute. And, you know, thankfully is happening concurrently because frankly, We've seen Maggie Grace uh, acting when she's angry or upset. And I feel like this episode would have a lot of screaming if she was there. And so I'm glad that we, we just, it's just a nice cute little. <laughs> I, what I will say though, is that it's Saeed's character is, I feel like the first, he was really front loaded in the first part of this season where it seems like he had like really, impactful things to say really significant things to do and ever since he came back from being tortured by Rousseau he's kind of just been like I don't know what the hell's going on on this island I can't figure out these maps I can't figure out what we're supposed to do I'm just gonna focus on this pretty lady who we seem to have good chemistry with and I'm not gonna do anything else except solder uh, Sawyer's glasses together <laughs> yes but this is actually an arc that I am on board with. I love the fact that this guy who is very technically minded, very mm. scientific, seems to be at a place where he's like, I'm fairly confident. It is literally a miracle that we are alive. I'm not sure if we are alive. <laughs> and there are magical qualities to this island that my science isn't working on. <laughs> But unlike Jack, I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm going to accept it as it is. And again, like we talked about this with Saeed's dialogue with Kate, how he's like, it's it's not dumb luck. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about this with Saeed and the, the compass. You know, he's like, this isn't pointing north. And then as he walks off, he's like, I'm going to go north. Well, what I think is north. And like, <laughs> I, I think this kind of like, acceptance of the unknown is one of the things that is really endearing me to Saeed even more so than in the beginning when it, again he was definitely it's like this guy should be the leader Saeed seems to be on this self discovery thing and I am all for it I I think as far as a character goes I I actually like this I think this is really cool <laughs> one last thing to add to this yeah do you know your blood type oh <laughs> I think I do, but only because I have two young children and it, it, it comes up a lot. But even then, I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but I, I, I don't know for certain. Do you know? Yes, uh, this I had completely forgotten about this until we were watching this episode. And I was like, this episode did make me figure out what my blood type is. Are we both in the real negative? world? Oh, I'm a negative. Oh, yes, I am a negative. We are, oh, mom and dad were both A negative. So there's literally no way we wouldn't all be A negative. <laughs> That's hilarious. But yeah, no, this, uh, as far as like a real world impact, yeah. Um, this made me go out and figure out what my bloody, what my bloody blood type is. <laughs>
No, it's it actually is a it, it is totally true to life, and it's a great plot point. That I mean, Jack is of course pissed at everybody, but no, this is most people I think don't know what their blood type is, except in Japan, where it's kind of treated like something like a horoscope, where like your blood type determines your personality. Not I mean, you I'm not saying they believe that, but. I remember this from years and years ago. You told me this because I thought it was so weird that in like every anime or fighting game, when you highlight a character, oftentimes instead of even a birth date, although sometimes they give a birthday too, but yeah, they would give like the name, likes, dislikes, uh, age, and blood type. And mm-hmm. I was like, what a weird thing to throw in there. Like of all the games, you think Mortal Kombat would have like a blood type because <laughs> that would be hilarious. I don't know. Do dogs and animals have... You know what? Never mind. We can move on. That is a good question, though. I actually don't know. Uh, Jack is madder at bamboo, and then Sun gets a sea urchin. Jack, of course, Jack is O negative, which is a universal donor, but he does point out that it's still possible for Boone to go into anaphylactic shock. And it's just... It's it's great how Sun, like, is the voice of reason through this whole episode. She's like, no, you're not Jack. Don't. Uh Uh-uh. No, and he's like, I have to. I'm the only one. Yeah, I, I do like how Sun repeatedly tells Jack not to go forward with any of his plans. That sea urchin looks awesome, by the way. It's huge. I yeah. Have... She's like, I was getting this. I was like, holy shit, where did you get that? And I, I do love how competent she is. And I think that Jack certainly does, too, because I remember he specifically yells at her saying, like, I think we're a little past uh, herbal remedies, or mm-hmm. he says something that's super condescending. That's exactly what he says. <laughs> and and um, yeah, and then as he like sees like the sea urchin, he's like, "It's perfect." I'm like, that's like a, a rare moment in the crisis mode where Jack is like, "Yeah, thank you, <laughs> someone, someone who can help." I love how pissed Sun is at him when she's like, "No, it's to for him to bite down on because you're gonna do something very yes. to him." Ass. Oh, that's what it was. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Uh. So our next flashback. Jack's dad definitely made him take piano. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sarah is wearing a jersey with the numbers 4, 4 on them. 44, 4 is an arc number. 4 plus 4, 8, also an arc number. Jack hasn't written his vows. And Jack keeps looking at the door like a, like a puppy. Uh, waiting for his dad to show up. Not his mom, though. I don't know what the deal is with Jack's mom. I We have not gotten any information about that. I was anticipating him to say something about, like, his wedding or writing vows to Jack's mom. And instead, he very much says, like, well, you're a doctor, not a writer, which also kind of feels like you're a doctor or, like, a lover, not a fighter. Or, you're, you know, you're you're not a, you know, like, it just, yeah, it's weird. As a a slight digression, is there anyone, any main character that has an issue with their mother? Uh, yeah. Daniel Faraday. Oh, that's why he's so memorable. (laughs) (laughs) But I cannot think of a single, well, oh, I guess Kate kind of. Kate. But that, it's only because of her dad. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, Ben, he's got some stuff with his mom, but that's also wrapped up in his dad, who's not great. Yeah. Moving on. Jin arrives uh, to find Jack giving a transfusion to Boone. Jack's face when Sun translates that Claire is in labor is very clearly, of fucking course this happens right now. (laughs) 
Well, I originally had written here that I was upset at Kate because I remember she's like, go get Jack. It's like, Kate, he's in the middle of surgery. But also realizing like, yeah, no, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's delivering a baby. It's uh, you want a doctor there. It's great how matter of fact Jack is about, no, I'm not going to be delivering this baby. I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm going to be here. I'm giving blood to this person and then I'm going to do some more surgery on him. You're going to do it. That's how it's going to go. <laughs> and what's awesome, this is another like a little, they give us a little bit of the scene, but it sounds like much more happened behind the scenes. It sounds like Jack did give Charlie all the information to relay. And Charlie surprisingly doesn't get like flustered. Right? He's like, okay. And even when he arrives, he very much is like, I'm, I'm going to do this. And then it's like, you're not going to do this. <laughs> uh, but but I really do appreciate that little character moment as well. Charlie very much like he's helpful this episode. He's very much like a uh, a little like he reminds me of Hermes, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the Disney Hercules of like just kind of run around like so much should we get to Shannon. Oh, by the way, I'm going to go get Kate. OK, I'm gonna, you know, like just I don't know. He, he's just very um, he's on top of it. He is. But it is telling that Jack doesn't tell Charlie what to do to deliver the baby. He says, this is what you need to tell Kate to deliver the baby. Whether that's because Kate is a woman and he feels that it is better for her to be all up in Claire's business than Charlie, or he just has more faith that Kate can pull it off. I think it's both. Because I, I do, I don't necessarily think that this is Jack being like, I'm not going to let you do it. Like, and I understand that it may be a little outdated, maybe a little sexist, but it is, again, Charlie is very excited about this, certainly mm. more so than Claire. And, <laughs> um, they know that he's eager and willing, but Kate has proven herself time and again. She, she's able to handle it. And I'm not 100%, but I would imagine if I was a 19-year-old pregnant girl, on an island where I'm giving birth and this is not how I saw things going. <laughs> I would feel still a little bit more comfortable uh, and being an amnesiac, having a fellow female handling my junk. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. <laughs> Claire's water breaks and kudos to the makeup team. Jack looks rough. He looks gaunt. He looks tired and he looks even worse in the scene after this, but it, it starts to like, you can, see in his face like they did an amazing job like he looks rough yeah boone mumbles a bit about what happened but jack doesn't quite understand on on her date shannon tells saeed that her stepbrother is in love with her and as we you know i think we covered pretty thoroughly in hearts and minds shannon feels something for boone but it's not anywhere near the level that he feels for her and she's very aware of that yeah i was this is all about, i was proud of shannon yes just Tell him, Saeed, like, this is why he's the way he is. But also <laughs> her saying, we're going to be on this island for God knows how long. It's going to be awkward. I want you to know this before we get into any hanky-panky. And she asked him to take it slow. And he's just like, he's like, yeah, that's fine. She's like, you, you didn't think we were going to totally just bang, like, right here? Which, by the way, I thought they made it pretty clear in the previous episode when she was like, do you want to help tie me up or whatever? Like, they were banging already. But... Whatever. <laughs> I, think, I 
A woman is allowed to change her mind. I should. I, I should. Yes, I, I think that she's she's more of like that's like that that was more of a flirtatious. Yeah, I'm into you. Um, <laughs> like this can be more than just a friendship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I I think it still makes sense. Although yeah, it does definitely. But no, I also get the impression that Saeed is not going to immediately bust out ropes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a gentleman. It's like hopes, not expectations. Very different. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was very gentlemanly. He was he's being honest with her. He's just like, look, I, you got a rocking bod, and I think we got something going on here. But you know, when it happens, it'll happen. It's cool. Charlie tells Kate that she has to deliver the baby. Claire's worried that the others did something to the baby. Kate tells her they'll get through this together, which is nice. This is a moment too where Jin goes above and beyond. He knows no one understands him, but. Yeah, he very clearly, like, I remember he's, like, holding her shoulder and speaking Korean to her mm-hmm. and has a smile on. And it's like, yeah, like, there's probably nothing that anyone could say that is going to make them feel better in a crisis like that. But, yeah, he has a very warm, calming voice. And actually, doesn't Claire even in the scene, she kind of, like, nods and is like, yeah. So she does. And what I like about it is that so she talks to him, like straight to him. And she's like telling him, you know, what, what her feelings and thoughts are. And I think at first when I was watching this, I was like, well, she's just talking to talk. But no, I she's talking to him like, yes, he does not understand English. But she is still including him in the conversation. As much as she is telling Kate about her reservations about the baby, she is also just telling Jen like, oh my God, I... This sucks. And I'm glad you're here. Like you said, they, they there is a communication going on, even though there's a language barrier. Yeah. They have a nice little unit going. Mm-hmm. Jack says uh, Boone's leg has been crushed and the blood is pooling there. And Jack tells Hurley to get Michael. You got to get the engineer because uh, yep. we got to do we got to do some major surgery. Like how freaking ominous. Because I know the first time I watched this, I had no idea. I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, like, I guess Michael has something. But certainly in a retrospective, oh, it's like, what What good is Michael? Well, he knows how to build things. He knows the structural integrity of, uh, like, oh, man. Uh. And as a construction worker, he knows what will fuck your shit up. Yes, I, oh, yeah, man, oh, man. And just the, the, we talk about Matthew Fox's facial expressions. The realization that he had bad info from Locke mm-hmm. um, is like, oh. Because is that the moment, too, where he, he grabs the needle and just pulls it out and is like, I am, oh. Like, Son <laughs> is the one who pulls it out. She said, you're, you're done. Oh. This isn't helping. Oh, man, and that leg looks real bad. Like, all swollen up and ripped mm-hmm. up. Oh, man. And this this goes back to... Uh, with the Michael thing, like what you mentioned, that like everybody has something to do. And as we've mentioned uh, in previous episodes, using the Fast and Furious as a bad example, where you just decide that all of your characters do all of the things and there's no segmentation. Everybody here has a role and you get, you know, their own experiences that really, if you're watching this as a first time viewer, you're like, okay, well, so he called Michael because he needs some help figuring this thing out. But if you're a longtime viewer, you're like, that's right. Michael has engineering experience. He knows how things work. 
Jack is a surgeon, but he does need someone to give him that expertise and to say, this will work. If you're trying to cut somebody's leg off, this will serve as a guillotine, basically. Yeah, speaking of, um, just kind of jumping ahead a little bit, why doesn't he get the axe? Is it because he mm. that's not enough force? So they don't make this explicit, but my take on this was that, so first of all, the guillotine, it descends and gives an even impact of force. It's much cleaner that way. It just drops, it slices right through, and if whatever limb you put through the hole there, it's going to get an even cut. If you swing an axe, you could take somebody's limb off, but you also could miss. You also might not apply enough force, and it also wouldn't be an even force. You might cut it more on one side than the other, and then you just mash it up. One thing that stood out very much uh, in the various histories that I've read is that beheadings, you want a professional to do it because it is not always clean, even with a professional. There have even been like high ranked nobles and stuff who it took like three or four tries before their head comes off, uh, which is why. Yeah. Again, this is this is lost, not showing their work. It's them just putting in a line where, like you said, Michael says, well, let's just get the axe. And Jack says, we can't use the axe. And he doesn't elaborate any further. But yeah, I to my mind, that is the reason why is that it would be much messier to do so. Uh, yeah, and it does make it. Now I think about it, I'm like, yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense why you would do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, jeez. Yeah. What? Uh, what? The the reason the guillotine is so associated with the French Revolution is because it had been invented just prior to that, and it was invented to make amputations much cleaner and safer. And it just also happened to coincide with a time when they were killing people at an industrial scale. It's like, how do we kill a bunch of people cleanly and easily? Fun facts. Mm-hmm. Fun facts. <laughs> um, flashback. Jack is continuing to drink at the hotel pool. He's a chip off the old block. Uh, he has moved on to just a straight bottle. His father, MVP John Terry, comes to uh, take a swig. Of course he does. And uh, as I mentioned at the top, Christian, uh, he, he tells dad, you know, what? what what, what am I doing? Should I be doing this? And Christian does not flat out say what he thinks. Instead, he gives his bride to be a compliment. He says, Sarah is a beautiful girl. Jack can agree with that. And that way they don't have to talk about other stuff. <laughs> and Christian tells his son, commitment is what makes you tick. Problem is, you're not good at letting go. To which I screamed at the TV screen, maybe you shouldn't have told him he doesn't have what it takes when he was 10 freaking years old and he wouldn't (laughs) have this problem, Christian. (laughs) It's like Christian telling Um, this deep truth about himself that he didn't know. It's like, you did this. Yeah. But that is how you turn a soft metal into hard steel. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I, yeah, this is easily, okay, it's my favorite scene. It is not my favorite shot. There's so much in this, and they're both just so good. Because for starters, this dialogue seems like the conversation Jack should be having with his best man. Mm-hmm. And it is so telling that he is having it with his dad. Mm-hmm. It really shows that additional layer to their relationship that we haven't seen yet. 
Yeah. I also think that this is such a minor thing, but it really made an impact on me. Jack sitting with his feet in the pool, but his even though his pants are rolled up, they're very wet. Yeah. Like he clearly like doesn't care enough to like it's just it's a neat I love it. And having his dad then just hunker down next to him is like this is a really sweet thing. You know, like the the Christian that I had seen up until this point would very much be like just in a suit watching his son being like, So what are you doing out here? Uh-huh. Seems like you should be with your wife. That's so good. Uh, and good. no, it's That's yeah, it's uh, he's very much like he is buddy buddy with Jack. I the parts that make this performance so layered are things like we know that he just got off a plane. He's probably a few drinks deep. Absolutely. He was drinking that whole flight. Secondly, before he even really acknowledges his son as a human being, he uses him. He before he gets down, Jack is even surprised by it, but he slams his hand down on Jack's shoulder as he's getting his shoes off. Yeah. Doesn't say, pardon me, doesn't acknowledge his presence. He then takes Jack's bottle, takes a swig, and then takes Jack's vows and starts reading them. Like, all of this is mine. Before he really, like, because I think all he talks about during that sequence is, oh, there's a screaming baby on the plane. How does that happen? Yep. And it's like, and this is what blows my mind about these two is that like if I saw a script and that was the blocking and that was the dialogue is I was sitting next to a screaming baby in first class. How does that happen? You could very easily play this as he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. But like clearly John Terry saw this and was like, oh, no, he's taking his shoes. Off. Oh, no, he's getting he's going down to his son's level. And yeah, maybe there's an ulterior motive to this. But you could also view this as just like. That's how comfortable he is. And I just, I I love it. It is such a, their relationship is is worth all of the turmoil that Lost has put me through over the years. Well, as as you said, we haven't seen them be like this before. And it's nice. And it recontextualizes the White Rabbit episode where, because... Remember, you had mentioned, and I know we've we've talked this over before, but like, you know, we do just see Jack's dad being a dick to him up until this point. But I think about this moment by the pool when I think of Jack crying at his father's casket. Yes, there were some terrible, terrible things in their relationship, but there's also sweet moments like this where a dad and his son just sitting by the pool and his dad doing his best to tell him, I know that this isn't what you should do, but you're also very good at commitment and I'm here. I'm here to support you. Like you said, he does all but say, don't get married. He mm-hmm. very much lets it be Jack's decision. He, he does help him to unravel that thread where it's like, do you love her? Yes. Then what are you doing? It very much is like he is, he's being a good, I think that's the thing. I'm so torn of this because on the some level I'm like, you could view him entering the scene as being a dick but he i think he's being a good dad i think he's like it's why lost is so good is that you know the best characters are these very gray characters like christian shepherd has done terrible things but he's not a wholly terrible person he's also done some good things he we have talked about how you really get the sense of how 
Jack with all of his intense character traits could come from this guy. But Jack is also compassionate and he's also a decent human being. And that comes from his dad too. It's, it's both things. Well, and speaking of that, that is also uh, to, to jump on Matthew Fox, that dialogue too, where he's like, what if I can't be the husband? And then pause. And it's almost like, even though I think that he does mean that, like, what if I can't be the husband that she wants? But he then like kind of backtracks it and is like, or the father that, that I want to be. And it's like, there is so much mm-hmm. in that. Uh, yeah, I want to be, like, be a better father than you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure that's part of it. But also then the the comfort that he feels to say that out loud in this yeah. moment. And for Christian to not be like, what, you think? You, like, he's not egocentric in this. He's like, yeah, I see your point. <laughs> uh, like, and yeah, I just, ah, uh, it's so good. It is good. And it's, I also think, too, that even though Damon Lindelof isn't listed as a writer on this episode, I feel like his fingerprints are on it because Lindelof's father had died not long before the show started. And the stuff with the daddy issues is very much a J.J. Abrams thing, but it is also very much a Lindelof thing where he has spoken in multiple interviews about how a lot of Jack was him wrestling with his own feelings about his father. Now that he was gone, I imagine that, you know, as the showrunner at this point, that Lindelof was probably had some pretty serious input, at least into, you know, this interaction between the two of them. I would guess. I don't know that. No, but I mean, it's a it's totally valid because, again, this is a very different Christian than uh, or even just the relationship. It's such a different relationship than we've seen. It is. Yeah, it really is. And I I really do you know, not to repeat myself too much, but I, I do like that Lost, and it's, you know, it's why we like this show. It's, it, it shows you different sides of people. It, you know, it can be very blunt, as we have mentioned many times, and, but it can also be very subtle, and it can also be very fair. Like, it, it, it takes 20 episodes to get to this point where you know these characters well enough to where you see things that are very familiar, and you can also see things that are new. Like, we know the character of Jack. We know the character of Christian. We haven't seen them be this way before, but it also makes sense. It feels organic. Uh, so it sounds like we are in agreement, though, that how Christian's words are meant to be interpreted are don't get married. Yes. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I yeah. think he I think he's trying to be decent because I mean, because who I mean, you and I both know weddings are very very expensive and very complicated and everybody is there and it's almost like well you have to go through with it just because otherwise you're gonna have a lot of angry people and a lot of angry flights but it's also you know it's a big deal it's a big momentous occasion and and christian's not gonna be you know he's gonna tell jack a lot of things he's not gonna tell him don't get married he will very subtly hint and not so subtly hint i think you're doing this for the wrong reasons in the caves jack needs to use the cargo container like a guillotine I like how, I don't know if this is actually how they are, where all it takes to turn this thing into a deadly weapon is to just remove the little rubber stopper on the thing. I don't know if you noticed him doing that. No, I didn't. So, yeah, this comes from the plane. It, you know, it goes like it's the, the roll top thing. And at the very top, uh, while uh, Jack and Michael are talking, there's just like a rubber lining on the sharp bit that Jack just peels off like a Band-Aid. And it's like, oh, that's it? That's all that's stopping it from being, okay, well, now it's a deadly weapon. Uh, 
in the woods. Claire is trying to hold her breath to keep from pushing. And I don't want to be mean. This is so dumb. And Kate just being like, <laughs> was like, what are you, what are you doing? Claire, no, no, Claire, no, no. Like, like, like trying to get something out of a dog's mouth. Like it's just, like it's funny, but it's also, it, it makes, it does not. She's trying anything she can. And yeah, you're right. I mean, I feel like the one thing that everyone knows just by osmosis is breathe, breathe. And so she's like, well, maybe if I don't, it won't happen. Squeeze it right there. I don't know. I mentioned uh, in my notes that we get some great acting from Kate here, and that's because they actually give her something to do. Yeah. I I wrote that this is much like the Kate that we saw in episode one Mm -hmm. of, uh, again, like, I... I do genuinely love that scene in the pilot when it's like, excuse me, do you, do, do you sew like with a needle and thread? Um, um, let me give you my backstory on sewing. <laughs> and he's like, that's great. Just please come. And, uh, and as she like nervously is with it, like this Kate, this is the Kate that you promised us in the pilot or at least yeah. pilot part one. Yeah. We have had way too much Kate being sad and just moping around the Island. And you finally give Kate a chance to be proactive and she's good. She's good. Yeah. Good to see her uh, doing stuff. And she has she's... a great she has a great line to Claire where she says that this baby is all of ours. And that is really like it's it's clear that that helps Claire. Like it she shows her she's not alone. Like it's, you know, everybody in the island is going to help with this baby, which is a very nice sentiment. I love that. It is, I completely missed it. <laughs> but, uh, but that is sweet. I know I was a risky little game that she played being like, "Well, do you want the baby now?" <laughs> it's, like, it's like Kate. What was your game plan? If she said no, <laughs> like, but yeah, that that is that is also a great line where she's like, you know, uh, all of us have a lot of baggage outside of this island. What matters is what you're doing right now, right here. Yeah, I do love that. And again, just to go on a tangent about the side characters, I love Charlie being like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go help, and Jin just holds him. He goes, Mm-mm. Yeah, like. And it's, this should be good. He's doing, doing what needs to happen. Yeah. Back in the caves, Boone is coughing up blood. Oh, yeah. We notice Boone is coughing up blood as Claire is pushing. I think it's relevant. Um, Sun tells Jack that he can't save Boone. And what does Jack say? Don't tell me what I can't do. <laughs> yeah, I forget that we get that out of him. Yeah, I don't know if... if that becomes a recurring thing because it's in my mind it's it's just Locke who says that yeah and yeah at this point I don't know if they knew that that would be John Locke's thing I think but, yeah I think it's a it's a way to show that there is a parallel between them um I we will have to look out for it in future episodes to see if it's that if it's actually like a uh like from Star Wars I got a bad feeling about this where everybody eventually gets a turn to say that Jack ties a tourniquet and prepares to cut off Boone's leg. The sound of the uh, the hatch rolling up is yeesh. Sun is against the plan. We get our last flashback. Wait, uh, I just want to jump in with this Michael thing because I do love this. Uh, that Jack gives him the go ahead. He's like, you don't have to be here for this. And Michael assesses what's about to happen and is like, if you need me, I'll be over there. Yeah. <laughs> like, or he says like, I'll just call. No, you know, yeah. And I, I appreciate it. I, I think that that's the right move. You don't want a Hurley situation, but I do like that he does take a minute to kind of be like, yeah, what am I thinking? Like, 
I don't want to. I don't want to be here for this. Yeah, like, that's a good point. I originally was mad at it. I was just like, oh come on, Michael, stay. But no, you're right. It's like seeing it and just being like, Jack is about to slice off a dude's leg. If he's giving me the option to not have that in my brain, I'll take it. I'll take that off. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, mad res- I mean, really, ever since special, Michael's just been <laughs> so much more pleasant. Uh, our last flashback. I wrote, Jack's not vows are pretty good vows. Yeah. We get some great acting from Jack doing the thing he thinks he needs to do, and Christian cannot watch. Christian's watching him the whole time, and when they go in for the kiss, when Jack, like, when his what seems to be a confession to say, I got under this under the wrong pretenses and I can't marry you even though I care for you very deeply, turns into, no, I didn't fix you, you fixed me, I do want to get married. And then when they go to kiss, uh, Christian does a little look away. Not in like a disgusted way, just in a like, hmm, I don't think it's going to last. That's so weird. I didn't catch that. Yeah, it's a... Man. It's a nice little shot and it's very like, and it's and he's like smiling, but it's very clearly he's just sort of like, okay, well... It's his life. It's his choice to make. It's just, it's, it feels like he's smiling, but he's not. <laughs> um, and I, I guess that's what it is. That is exactly what it is. It's his eyes. It's his, it's the tone of his voice. It's. I did write down this. Um, Sarah is visibly upset. As Jack is yes. <laughs> so yeah. like, I didn't write them. I was like, oh man. She's like, but it's to that actress's credit. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't look like she's upset that he didn't write them. It's she's upset that he's about to say what he should be saying, which is we should not be getting married. Yes. She's kind of had that like expression like behind her face. (laughs) Yeah, no, it does. Because the undercurrent. Like you said, when she says like, you know, you don't have to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it does feel like this is pre-baked with you're a good guy. I love you, but this isn't you. <laughs> and it, yeah, if anything, it's more like a you're gonna. I told you you could back out of this last night. You're doing this now, <laughs> in front of all of our friends and family. Back in the caves, Boone tells Jack to wait. He says he's all messed up inside and there's no chance. He tells Jack he's letting him off the hook. Says, "Let me go, Jack." And Jack says he's sorry. And oh boy, do you feel it? You feel how sorry he is. It's the sweat just dripping off of his face. Like there's a great shot of just like one bead of sweat just falls off of his nose and he looks away and it's just like, oh man. This is also echoing Rose's sentiment when, uh, you know, Boone had told him that Rose isn't talking. Jack goes over to sit with her. And I believe that's the moment that Rose then says, I'm letting you off the hook. And he's like, what? And she's like, you don't need to sit with me until my husband shows you're right. Interesting. I wonder if that was on purpose or if it's just a coincidence. I don't know. I think it's very much a through line between them, and I um, I liked it. In the jungle, Kate delivers the baby. After the baby is delivered, Boone dies. And the next day, the whole group of survivors meets Claire's baby while the life and death motif plays. Janet returns from her date with Saeed. Jack goes to tell her. And we get a very sad scene of Shannon crying over Boone's body, just alone in the caves. Very powerful. And the last part of the episode is on the beach. Jack is packing up his backpack and goes in search of Locke. 
and he tells Kate that Boone didn't die. He was murdered. My last note that I have here is this was the hardest episode not to immediately watch the next episode. I mean, most of the episodes end on a cliffhanger, and this show was made for binging, but this one, I'm just like, I want to see Jack confront Locke. Like, I want to see where this goes so badly. A couple things I want to mention here in this mm-hmm. final scene is I also like this is the second time a person has acknowledged that they're dying and has told Jack, like, you know, because the marshal did something similar. He's like, am I, am I dying? And he's like, uh, he's like, are you going to kill me? Are you going to do it? Which is just, again, this for Jack, who is a perfectionist, uh, this has got to be tough. Yeah. The other thing is I do want to call out Michael Giacchino. It's been a been a hot minute since we've mentioned him on uh, the podcast. But the this is the brilliance of the score, which is that it genuinely transitions so beautifully from awe and inspiration as the group welcomes this baby. And then as Shannon and Saeed come up and Jack looks over and is like, I got to break this news. Like, even though like you have this, like, ah, da, 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 like almost like uplifting music, it transitions so seamlessly into let's well, mourn the loss of, of, of one of our own. Just so, so good. So good. And the last thing, cause this is my favorite shot of this episode. The favorite scene was the fourth flashback, but my favorite shot, which also plays to my feelings that I think Jack really likes privacy. Uh, and, uh, is when he does pack up his backpack and he, uh, and this is after that, this is right before the whole, I'm going to go find John Locke. He is alone. He steps out on the beach with his backpack. And when he puts that thing down, he cries like that, like he is so fucked up. And what makes him stop is Kate coming out and being like, Hey, and he immediately recomposes I I, himself. I think I missed that. I love this, like, because he genuinely, like, he collapses, like, with his backpack, and it's, like, and he very clearly, like, doesn't want Kate to see that he's crying, very much, like, reassuming that role of, like, I'm the leader, I I can't appear to be uh, uh, weak or emotional, but, yeah, like, and Kate, I appreciate that she tries, but she's, like, she's, like, do you want to talk about it, you know, it's okay, Mm -hmm. and he just kind of, like, is, like, no, and then he, like, pivots it to to anger and frustration, and it's, like, Jack has never been to therapy. No. <laughs> but I, I just, I love, like, uh, Matthew Fox is just, ah, it's like his first moment alone and it gets interrupted. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, then obviously he, he's like, I'm going to go do, do what I do. But yeah, I, I really, um, it's so good. And he's so good. It's just great. And if you, the listener, think this episode was so good, please like and subscribe to our podcast. I remembered. I remembered to say it. At the very end of the episode, I remember. <laughs> it was a fabulous episode. Just, and it's I... it's it's emotional. And the Jack episodes are so good. It's got John Terry. Everybody's got brought their A game. And it's, you know, it's momentous. It's the death of a major cast member. It is the first death of a major cast member. And that was huge at the time, I remember. Like, for me, like, I was like, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could kill off a star of your show. And it makes things more real. It makes them more impactful. And it means that, oh, hell, I don't know what's going to happen next episode. Who else is going to die? Is that this this show is playing for keeps. And yeah, no, it was 
you know, we would, you know, you find out very much like Game of Thrones where past a certain point, the main cast members are not going to die until the very end of the show. But it put that thought in your mind that suddenly nobody is safe. Yeah, having it that this can happen while there's still episodes to burn is uh, something that I wish more shows did because I think saving those kind of moments for finales, like it just, I don't want to feel like something is that predictable. I would much rather be surprised. It makes it feel dangerous. It makes it feel like you don't know what the heck's going to happen next. 